Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with first-time guest Patrick Crowling to talk about another book track. It's I Lost Thursday. I lost Thursday. I had it somewhere. Don't say it's where I left it. Like it was nothing That fact is uncontested I am sleepy I'm not strong But it was like Any day Where I left it Take it back Now I suspect Found play Nice We'll ride it to the next I'm reading off this text Patrick, hey man. Hey, what's up? What's up? So, uh, talking to me from the School of Rock, <laughs> in uh, so so you're in Philly, right? Yes, I, I'm. I'm currently adjacent to the School of Rock. It was. It was. There was just too much rock rico- <laughs> ricocheting around the the walls of the of the building, so I had to step outside. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I pretty much just got a whole a, a tour of the whole yeah building there and. Just hearing all these drum fills coming through the wall, and you know, I mean that that right. first <laughs> that first room you're in, I had a cool vibe with the the <laughs> Beatles poster and all that. But yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we would have had a backbeat accompanying the whole. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. It, it would have yeah. been a very very weird. Like, um, who's the guy that used to do? Uh, I think it was Charles Ives that used to do. He he would write scores for two orchestras and have them play them both at the same time or something like that <laughs> it would have been very uh real john cage vibes coming through yeah yeah or or you would have had to to wrap your entire portion of the <laughs> the episode you know, exactly. stay on the beat there exactly. yeah and it's just like so there's bass going too and it's just yep. like you know those certain frequencies that would oh, come sure. rumbling through the wall you know be like oh wait it went away no just like that one note would come through <laughs> yep I, I know that feeling well. Yep. If we could have got them to play I Lost Thursday, you know, on a loop for like an yeah, hour, that, that would, would be, be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to have the authority to make them do that. I, I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I still wield that sort of, uh, yeah, nice I, iron fist. Yeah, um, Scott Heisel, my uh, co-host to my on-again, off-again other podcast, Best Midwestern, uh, he works at the 
Cleveland School of Rock, and uh, he the, he's always curating these. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's if it's all his idea, but they're always doing like these big emo showcases and stuff like <laughs> this, and like pop punk shows and that kind of thing. Well, are you guys doing that kind of stuff over there? Not as I mean, they, they, it is definitely you know part of the curriculum, but uh, I, I think everybody kind of puts their own little spin on uh, on what they do. Like I I try to keep my personal preferences out of what we do. Um, Come on, no, no forcing the you know birdhouse and your soul into a program. Well, we did. Program. I mean, <laughs> whenever appropriate, like we do. Um, I mean, I I don't want to get too <laughs> too deep in the school of rock right here, but you know, we do shows and the shows all have themes. Uh, so, like for example, in the '90s show, we did do birdhouse. We did a, a new wave. We did a new wave show, and I had them do Anna Ang. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I can slip one in where it's actually appropriate, uh, then, then, that, then that usually happens. Sweet. And, and you primarily teach guitar there? Yep. Sweet. So. <laughs> Very nice. You got any real, uh, you know, whiz kids there? Got any uh, prodigies going? We do. Um, you know, it's, it's tricky because... It's it's one of those things where a little bit of power kind of is the most dangerous thing. Like when you first start getting good, <clears throat> you know, it's it's very difficult to get a, a kid to understand the idea of like playing tastefully or appropriately to the <laughs> to the song. You know, so there's a there's a lot of like punishing, uncompromising technical skill on display, and and not very very little of it that you'd actually want to listen to. <laughs> but, uh, so I went straight for the double tapping technique, and now yeah. that's all I'm gonna do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and the drummers, I just added a second China symbol to my kit. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was, I, I, that was I like did, me in high school. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I I've, I've played drums before in bands, and the China symbol has always just it's like nails on a chalkboard. Oh, dude, I loved it back in the day. I just don't. I I kept cracking them. So <laughs> that that's kind of what got me off of China symbols. That was that, yeah. That was the one saving grace about them is they're infinitely breakable. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, the Wuhan, uh, Wuhan yeah. brand. They would they had a year warranty, so I just knew I had to break it in under a year, and then I could get another one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Using like the the stupidest big. You know, Vic for a six that they made. Sure, sure. You know, that's the high school way. It um, is, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> so we were, uh, I was just telling a little bit of this story on the um, uh, Part of You Wants to Believe Me episode, which just aired today as of our recording of this. I was telling the story a little bit about how this was supposed to be the first book song episode, um, being that it was the first song released off of book. Uh, but then I, I believe it was scheduled for, it was either the day that Ramona was born or the day, <laughs> day we were, we went to the, to the hospital. It might have, so it might've been that evening before, but I remember <laughs> I was messaging you. I'm like, to say the least, not going to be able to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I had something to, like, it, it was supposed to be before that. In, oh, in, an, in anticipation of that exact thing happening, but uh, well, Ramona I, came I, early was yeah. part of it. Oh, okay. yeah, she came two weeks early, so 
uh, or a week and a half. Yeah. Um, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And then just like, you know, I work daytime hours and you work a lot of evening hours and just kept right. <laughs> pushing and pushing and pushing, but it's finally happening. So I know. glad you're here and thanks glad for sticking thanks with for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so first, uh, being that it's your first episode, you need to tell everybody your uh, fandom story. How did you get into TMBG? All right. Um, well, I have a feeling I, I'm probably on the on the older side of uh, of people who listen to the band. Uh, I got into them in 1989. Oh, um, pre He's a pre-floody. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, I just well, let's say I, I discovered them, and I, uh, I I was dating a girl in high school, and we were in high school, so there wasn't really anything to do except sit around and watch tv and this was this was back in the all right so this is as if that wasn't bad enough i'm gonna super uh super date myself here this was back in the days when you would uh record 120 minutes first of all there was a tv show called 120 minutes on mtv which was like <laughs> the alternative you know uh mm-hmm. and, the, and the johns have hosted it a bunch of times yeah. um but you would uh you would since it aired from like 11 to 1 a.m. on a school night technically it was sunday night uh you would record it on a vhs tape and then watch it the next day uh and so that's what we were doing we were watching a vhs that she had recorded of 120 minutes and i was like super into like the grateful dead and the who and and the doors and all this like crazy psychedelic stuff Uh and um classic rock kid Mm -hmm. yes yes uh which is all there was in virginia in the 80s Mm. And uh, I, w- I was just sitting there, just hating everything, just seething with anger. And then, <laughs> do you remember what else was on was on that tape? Oh God! Leading was, up to TMBG, there was definitely a Bauhaus tune. Okay. O- other than uh, what it it it, it might have been, it was probably Bella Lugosi's Dead. I think that's the only one they made a video for. And I mean, that song is like, if you're not into it, it's a miniature eternity. Like it just keeps going and going and going. Um, <laughs> There was def- I think there was like a Soul Asylum video from their first record or something like that. Okay, uh, maybe getting into some like Guns N' Roses stuff then, probably. Oh no no, uh, yeah. not on not on 120 minutes, my friend. This was okay. That was too you know, mainstream. Yeah. For yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this okay. Was, this is all alternative college radio stuff. Um, but then the video for Anna Ang came on, and I remember thinking, I don't know what this is, but I know something important is happening. Um. <laughs> uh, and it was just kind of one of those revelatory moments. And I just, and I, but I never really followed up on it. This was, this was back in the day. Like you couldn't just hear something and automatically have access to it. it you know, you really had to seek things out and it was, we had to work for our music. Exactly. God, goddamn kids got too easy. Right. <laughs> uh, and then instant gratification for everyone. Now. Right. Right. Um, which is which don't get me wrong everything now is totally better like it's it's better to to have yeah. all this stuff at your fingertips all the time but um i di- i didn't really think any you know i didn't bother to follow up on it and then uh, a couple probably after flood i was hanging out with some friends and they were listening to it and i was like who is this and they're like it's this band they might be giants I'm like oh right 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 um and so i thought okay well this is this is intriguing. I'll go and and so I, I just went out and bought a cassette of the Pink album, 
mm-hmm. I remember I bought it on cassette so that instead of CD, because it was cheaper, and I was like, well, if I don't like it, then it's only I've only wasted eight dollars <laughs> instead sure. of instead of fourteen. Um, but then, of course, like that tape was, I, I immediately fell irreparably in love with them and uh, have been a fan ever since. Did you wear the tape out? I did. <laughs> I did indeed. I had to go. I, well, then I, I bought it on CD, and because uh, I was like, okay, this is this is clearly something that's overtake, and it was, you know, in a way, it was really cool because just discovering this one band led me to all of the other like kind of underground stuff that had been going on this entire time. Like I grew up yeah. 40 minutes outside of DC and I had no idea anything of like none of the, you know, of the, of the discord stuff or any, any of the cool things that were going on. I was too busy right. listening to, you know, the turtles. But um, <laughs> yeah, the turtles are good, but yeah, I mean, DC was a bit of a hub for punk rock and the it was. I, w- I would yeah. I would not have known anything about it. Uh, and so you know they they were you know they were definitely one of those gateway bands for me mm-hmm. uh, to kind of everything else that I've listened to since. So are they one of those bands that stuck with you the entire time, or one of those where? You know, sometimes you got things going on in your life or your tastes kind of change and you kind of get in and out of, of bands or have they been with you the entire time? Uh, they have been my favorite band ever since uh, that that day. This is like, so this is, I, I can never tell if this is a sweet story or not. Um, <laughs> but so Mink Carr came out on 9-11. Um, mm-hmm. And mm. I remember waking up that morning and turning on the news and basically watching it happen yeah, and sitting there kind of shell shocked and then thinking, well, I mean, I was going to go to the record store anyway, so I should probably go. And so I went on nine 11 and bought mink car the day that it came out. There you go. Uh, that's the Can't degree let the terrorist win. <laughs> well, exactly. And it was actually really sweet. I got, I got to the record store and they, they you know, they had the, they were playing the news, they were playing NPR yeah. And then whenever it got too much, we would turn that off and put a record on. And the people from the deli next door came over with sandwiches. And it actually was this kind of cool little human moment. Yeah, uh, that's but, nice. Uh, but no, they've been, uh, I mean, there's obviously, there's been stuff that I've, I've been into more than others. And, you know, records that, you know, where it's like, okay, well, that, that wasn't great. But uh, for the most part, uh, I've, I've been, you know, a, a serious, serious fan um an apologist um, pretty much ever <laughs> since like the late 80s early 90s very nice very nice and were you one of the people like me that would kind of uh get friends into they might be giants just by constantly having them on <laughs> i don't think i ever did that i've definitely alienated people by constantly having them on <laughs> um but uh <laughs> can we put on something else no yes yeah I, um but I mean, I never like I, I, I was never like proselytizing about them or anything like that. I just kind of, you know, I, I tend to be very quiet in my enthusiasm for things and, you know, very, you know, it's just my own little private world. And um, well, here's your chance. Exactly. To go public exactly. and 
as loud a manner as you as you wish. Oh, pe- oh people know like it. Oh, people know that I like to the point where like friends when records would come out, like people would call me up and like, "Hey, new Giants album comes out today." It's like, yeah, I know, man. Like, I'm the guy you're calling because the, fact, the fact that there's a new album made you think of me. Like, that's how into them I am. Um, <laughs> my uh, my license plate when I lived in Virginia was Anna Ang. Oh man, so that was yeah, nice. And Love I, it. Yep, I got uh, me and one other person lost on the way to tracks in Charlottesville to see them because this person started <laughs> following me because my license plate was Anna Ang. So they figured, well, he must know where they're going. <laughs> and I was totally lost. And I pulled into this gas station to ask where the club was. And this person behind me was like, yeah, we've been following you. We figured you knew where you were going. <laughs> yeah. The blind leading the blind. Yes, very, very much indeed. <laughs> but, but you made it eventually, right? We did. We did. Okay, that's good. Yeah, again, back in the day, didn't just have the whole map of the entire earth on our <laughs> phones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, would go, uh, I would go see a show at the 930 Club in D.C., and it didn't matter. Like, I've, And I've seen probably, at this point, hundreds of shows at the 930 Club. Um, I live in, I mean, I, I live in Philly now, but I, that was like the place that you went when I yeah, lived I've in heard, Virginia. I've heard very good things. Yeah. And to like, to this day, gun to my head, I cannot give you directions to that place. I cannot, to, <laughs> I'm not, I can't tell you how to get out. We would just start driving in circles and eventually we would just, <laughs> like, I, I'm barely exaggerating that we would just kind of wiggle our way out of the city and figured, well, eventually we'll either hit the ocean or a highway. but the one thing that kind of makes sense about dc at least if i'm remembering correctly i I did play a couple shows there when i was on tour not at the 930 club couldn't make that happen but uh (laughs) um that all the streets are they're either they're numbered going the one direction and lettered going the other direction right well they are they are and the thing about dc is it's a diamond and it's split into four quadrants and mm-hmm. the numbers and the letters all repeat in each quadrant. Okay. So you have to know whether you want, you, you know, you're looking for like B Street Northeast or B Street Southeast or, or all that stuff. Yeah, um, okay. And then the numbers and the letters aren't necessarily sequential. Uh, they'll, stop and, they'll stop and start. <laughs> There's a lot of the streets uh, that are named after states and it's completely random. Uh, there's like Pennsylvania Avenue and then like illinois avenue they they could have put them alphabetically they could have or alabama alaska arizona arkansas (laughs) or i i thought i always thought it would be cool if they put them in the order that they were admitted to the union that way Ah. you could like drive and learn but um (laughs) no it's i mean it and it and it's half the streets don't go anywhere and then they stop and then like nine blocks later they start again it's it's very no it's it's chaos as a city grid well, so. I guess I wasn't remembering well enough then, but I don't know <laughs> if I was even the one doing most of the driving on that that tour anyway. But uh, part of the fun of being on tour is getting lost and and, and discovering things on accident. Yeah, I mean, the do. place the, the place we were trying to first book there was like it was a ping pong place that had shows. <laughs> Just, the, I mean, I'm sure this was you know more like a. I mean, this was 2010, so it was, I don't know, 
how long that place had been open, but it sounded pretty awesome. I was, I was like, man, I just want to get to play some ping pong. Fuck the show. Just <laughs> play crap ton of ping pong. Right. That was, but I mean, I was don't, not to be. I we ended up playing two house shows. <laughs> oh, nice. That, there's a lot of that, too. That was one of the cool things about certain places in D.C. Um, where it, it wasn't necessarily like, I'm going to go to the music club. It's like, I'm going to go to the pottery store that when it closes at night, they just have bands come in and play. There was a lot of that going on. I don't know how much that sure. still happens, but that was one of the fun things about that town. Oh, yeah. God, I mean, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Chicago area, and and in the Burbs, we were just like, I can't remember how many pizza places we played. Oh, there sure. were all these little oh, sure. pizza parlors that would have shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got a PA, you can bring all right. Yeah, we'd, we'd anywhere that would let us bring loud yeah, speakers. Exactly. We'd, we'd do it. Bowling alleys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I lost Thursday. Speaking of getting lost, uh, I lost Thursday. It was the first song released from Book, though. It, when it first came out, we did not know that it was going to be on Book. I don't think they had even, yeah, they hadn't even announced the name of the album yet when it first came out. Am I correct there? This was, I mean, it was October 20th, 2020. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And it had come out um, to raise money for the non Johns of. Yes. The, their organization, as I put it, right? The Danes, the Dannys, the Martys, and their mm-hmm. stage crew. Uh, so I bought it then. Did you get it right when they when they had put it out like that? Yeah, I did. Um, and uh, it, it was um, one of those things where, especially if you've been listening to a band for, at this point in my life, 30 years, uh, you know, thing, new material... It, there there reaches a point where you've just heard so much of it the new stuff like can't possibly hit you the same way that the older stuff did but this is one of the few like new songs that didn't need to grow on me like i loved it immediately and like oh, it yeah. really did hook me like from the very beginning i was like this is the best thing i've heard them do in probably five or six seven years wow okay yeah Th- this one I, to me I, I was maybe the opposite i not, not, hmm. not like i didn't not like i hated it but i was kind of like oh that's kind of a weird one <laughs> like, <laughs> you know <laughs> and and i like the weird ones but i'm like oh that's kind of a weird one and i think most people that listen to the show would probably peg me as some hardcore you know linnell guy and you know i'm not gonna pick a john but you know i do have a sweet spot for those hooks and this isn't exactly a hooky song it's more of a jammy song um not jamie jam bandy i guess more funky yeah funky and i song. think uh, you know I think there's a lot of, I think when Flans, like, I call them Flans, you know, we're, we're personal yeah. like that. Buds. Um, yeah. yeah but I we, think can, we can't both be his best bud. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a good song. Uh, oh, yeah. I, th- I think, what, you know, he has that very, like, old Motown uh, sweet, you know, Jones that, Whenever he can indulge it, like in the band and have it work in that context, I think it's really cool. Like Pet Name from Factory Showroom is a good example of that. Um, and SEXXY, pretty see, funky. I, I'd say that's an example of it not working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Such a divisive song. That and Mr. Excitement, like the two that really just divide. Yeah. I, I, the like, fan base. I like Mr. Excitement, but. Uh, 
Yeah, SAXXY, the disco strings, I, I can't. Oh, the strings are like the thing that saved me. <laughs> I love the strings. We had a Patreon episode with violinists, and, and that was one of our big talking points. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Factory Showroom in general, there's strings all over that album. There are, <laughs> and, and I, I adore that record. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, if anybody has heard the second Monopuff record, it's basically... Like, you know, Flansburg, mm. Flansburg doing his like old Stax Motown disco thing. And some of it's some of it's good, but it, some of it's definitely like, OK, I, I see why they, you know, you can keep this at arm's length in the in the full band. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whenever. And I and I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, like I tend to gravitate to the Linnell songs first. And then, you know, the Flansburg ones kind of grow on you. Um, mm-hmm. These last two albums, though, I Like Fun and Book, has been the exact opposite for me. It was the Flansburg tunes that grabbed me first. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Linnell ones kind of had to had to work their way into the subconscious. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, it came out uh, to uh, for purchase, uh, like I said, October 20th, 2020. And then went up on streaming uh, March 26th of 2021. And they're like, oh, hey, guess what? This is the first single to book. (laughs) (laughs) Which was kind of anticlimactic to those of us who had already been listening to it for, you know, five months. Uh, Like, oh, cool, new album. Oh, wait, I got this one already. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I I think it was kind of one of those things that, you know, I mean, this pandemic stuff is just kind of thrown everyone's plans off, you know, everybody. And, you know, it's, it's been big struggle for the music industry, um, you know, for musicians to make a living. That's part of why they released it early. So it's kind of like, I'm wondering if even, you know, from the start, if this song was even supposed to be on book or if it was just the song that Flans, you know, had kicked out and he's like, all right, let's flush it out and, uh, make a little, you know, charity fundraiser. And yeah. then, you know, and then as the album got more, uh, tracks going to it, they're like, well, we might as well throw it on there. You know, I think, I, I think I remember, cause I've, I've read a lot of interviews and listened to a lot of, like Flansburg was on a podcast recently. He's talking. been on a million podcasts yeah. than <laughs> this one. <laughs> he was, uh, or it was either Hammer or maybe it was Linnell calling into like They Might Be Giants Day or doing an interview on that station that does that, uh, where they talked about the evolution of book changing pretty significantly over the course of the pandemic uh, from what it originally had, I guess, like the songs they originally planned for it. And then as, you know, the, the dawning horror kind of spread throughout uh, all time. You know, I, I think that affected, you know, obviously the the songs that they decided to put on it. And, you know, that's one of the things about it. I think this is the most, like, topical in terms of, like, of the, like, the zeitgeist of the current moment that, uh, that, yeah. that I think they've ever done. Like, this is, the all, this is the only song I can point to and say, I mean, like, your racist friend is topical, but it's not like that's not necessarily specific to 1990. Mm-hmm. This is very specific yeah. to now. And even the way it was written uh, was very, uh, 
pandemic uh, influenced. Um, yeah, Linnell uh, said. Yeah, there's a quote from him here. Uh, he says, actually, on this album, there's at least one track where Flansburg asked me to just write a bunch of bass lines. So I sent him MIDI files of a number of bass lines, and he picked one and wrote a song on top of that. I think what we've discovered is the more you mix it up, the more variety you wind up with. You know, you come up with different techniques. I Lost Thursday was my bass line, but John wrote the whole song on top of that. So I think of it as a Flansburg song. So sending those tracks back and forth that's definitely something i've done a lot of uh, ever since i've gotten to know so many more uh they might be giants fans from across the country and the world you know collaborating on covers and stuff like that um but for two guys who don't live that far apart uh they had to resort to that as well in the pandemic times yeah and you know, I think that, that that's interesting that Flansburg would say, hey, just send me a bunch of bass lines or something like that. Or like, you know, we however, I, I get the sense that their process is they write pretty separately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every now and then they'll they'll do something that's literally, you know, one person finishing the other's idea. Kind yeah. Of. Um, and I think this this has that that feel to it that sort of everybody got to pitch a little a little bit of the final like marty's got all those cool little oh bongo God, yeah. fills. The, the bongo is great there's doing. there's those couple points where there's like i don't know it's like a kind of a flanger effect or some sort of like phaser flanger effect going on the the bongos too yeah absolutely yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um uh, you know and this is a good example of uh i think everybody in the band uh kind of bringing their bringing their a game not but not to suggest that the rest of it isn't but like this plays to everybody's strengths i think in a really yeah this awesome one the way. um yeah the, the the uh instrumentation in particular the the drums you know we've got um at least on the credits on the wiki it has marty listed as both drums and synthesized drums and and to me it sounds almost like the bongos might be the only real drums in the song. To me, it sounds like the rest of it is drum machine. Even, even when, hmm. cause a lot of it you've got, I mean, just, it's like the consistency of it. Not that Marty isn't a super consistent drummer, but, uh, you know, it sounds more like sampled kicks and snares. And even when the hi-hat comes in, it's just, sounds just too, yeah, too, yeah, like every hit is exactly well, I, the same. Doesn't have that human finesse, but the bongos most definitely yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know even back when Dan Hickey was in the band, they would do things where they would just sample a bunch of his mm-hmm. playing and then you know cook the track up from from a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if they did that with marty mm-hmm. for this one yeah i know they've they've done it to marty in uh, the past when i talked to him forever ago um we talked specifically about upside down <laughs> frown he 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 couldn't even remember he's like i know i was just doing like a bunch of different stuff and i i think you know the johns and the dust brothers just kind of chopped it up and put it how he's like i can't even remember you know we've done so many songs <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and, and so yeah. i guess that baseline um it it sounds like there's a little bit of interplay between like a low synth and then, you know, Danny's bass. You, you can hear that, you know, the clangy uh, electric bass tone going on a lot of the, the fancier little runs that it does. 
Um, and it kind of syncs up with the synth a little bit too, in kind of a, in a cool way. Yeah, I think he's got a little bit of fuzz on his bass on this one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Flans uh, in uh, the press release for Book, he compares this song. It, well, he says it's got a pushy fusion sound, and compares it <laughs> to Lincoln. And I was like, huh. yeah, ex- that was that was my thoughts exactly. I was like, huh. And so I'm like thinking back to Lincoln. I'm like, what Lincoln songs could you possibly compare to this? Or like even just saying like Lincoln as a whole. Like I'm not getting that. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe in the sense that, uh, and this is something I was I was talking about with somebody else, uh, not on a podcast. It's weird to think that there's communication that happens off of a podcast. Oh, not, not but, for me. Me, me yeah. and my wife only communicate uh, <laughs> while recording. <laughs> that's you know that there's probably something to be said for that um but it was like like one of the things when the uh when the full band came along that i thought they lost was this kind of creativity in the rhythm section where you have two guys who really aren't drummers uh-huh. coming up with the drum parts and two guys that really aren't bass players coming up with the bass parts and there's like a lot of really you know collage element to uh, the first four albums. Yeah, and a lot of weirdness, almost uh, like unnatural sounds in a good way. <laughs> yeah, or just in the sense that like there's there's an open hi hat thing going on while the the drum fill is happening. Just stuff that you can't mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um, you know, like you mentioned, like Birdhouse. There's a there's a hi hat thing going on that you you would need to grow an extra appendage to actually play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and. <laughs> You know, so I had just ride stuff like and that. snare all going at the same time. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and uh, you know when you you know when you have a actual person sitting behind an actual drum set, they you know you attack it a certain way, and it's it, it becomes a little more predictable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that uh, you know the the full band backlash when it happened. I think that might have been one of the one of the things that people were bemoaning the loss of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but as far as a pushy fusion sound, what on Lincoln would you say is a pushy fusion sound? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the I mean the only way that I would say you could compare it to Lincoln is like John cooked up the bass line, uh, you know, Linnell cooked up the bass. Flans probably came up with some of the drum stuff, and like it was really the two of them kind of creating the whole track, as opposed to bringing in like you know, here's the chords and the melody. Let's everybody you know think of how the arrangement's going to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of more the two of them. Yeah. Maybe that's more how he meant it, but I'm just like, what song sounds like this style on, on Lincoln? And I'm, I'm going through, I'm like, well, Cowtown's got a really good thump to it, but that's more like some sort of hoedown. <laughs> and then, you know, Purple Toupee's got a good thump to it too, but no, I wouldn't say that's, that's, that's funky. Uh, like Cajun Aquarium, maybe you got that kind of dark, this is the dawn. I got that kind of low flange right. thing going. I mean, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe you'll miss me in the sense that it's mm. it's a flan song. I mean, it doesn't sound like you'll miss me, but <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I wouldn't necessarily. I, I wouldn't have thought that. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't have thought to compare it to Lincoln. Flans can't even remember his own album. Uh, sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Lincoln. I would say that's my second favorite. TMBG album um and it's just you know it's it's like all the best they might be giants albums it's all over the place 
stylistically. So, uh, you know, there would never be like none of their albums. I could be like, oh, it's got this one sound because that's kind of not how they do things. <laughs> yeah, totally, right. totally. And that's, you know, that, I think that's what we all really love about mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, like that, that anything goes kind of attitude. And I think, you know, as musicians, that encourages you to check others. Like I don't think I ever would have, you know, bothered to listen to a lot of like cocktail jazz stuff if it hadn't been for songs like the world's address or, you know, just, you know, listening to them or reading them talking about stuff that they were into. Yeah. And it inspired me to seek it out. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, so okay, so we talked a lot about the percussion and the bass. The the guitars don't get too much of a feature in this one, which is always funny when you hear a flan song that doesn't you know, like there are even flan songs out there that don't have any guitar. I mean oh, sure. the track I Like Fun, for example. Um but really on it's kinda like mm-hmm. the on the I'm not sleepy parts, that's where the, the guitars get to kind of fill the space a little bit, but there's real no the, like guitar mm-hmm. feature. There's not the the chord progression though, especially on the um like today was going to be the year like that, uh, that little sequence, uh, just the chord. And I'm, I'm, I did a cover of it and now it was so long ago. I'm blanking on what the chords actually are, but well, it, let's see. I'll bring it them does. up <laughs> <laughs> on the, uh, on which part, uh, today was going to be the year. Yeah. Uh, B E A D G sharp seven. It's a very long progression. C sharp. F sharp minor, and then it repeats, goes back to the B. Yeah. So you've got a long sequence of major chords there, and you could think of it as, and the, you may, you may want to cut this out because this is going to get super musician nerdy. No, that's that's what the people um, crave, my man. But you've got, <laughs> <laughs> you got like B to E. That's a five chord to the one chord. A to D. That you could also think of that as a five chord to a one chord going in the in the key of d and then you know just the the way that the the f sharp seven comes in like that there's a lot of that that hits me where i live yeah it's almost like it's almost like it starts going around the circle of fifths a little bit almost yes exactly yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and it does have that kind of ping-pongy feel to it Uh yeah it's kind of circles around you yeah, 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 it is a cool progression, and then and that that offsets the uh, the very kind of um, stagnant nature of the verses, where sure, yeah, know, it's just basically one, you know, it's like the the riff and a kick drum. Yeah, and it's just like it, it's basically just an E chord all the way, but with little mm-hmm. bass flourishes and stuff like that. And yeah, and when when we yeah. get to your cover, that's uh, what you do with that is one of my favorite parts about that that cover. Um, <laughs> what. Well, I love it. You, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, let's let's save that for the people before I go sure, on sure, sure. much more about that. But yes, um, you know that's a little cliffhanger for them. They're all they're all <laughs> waiting for it. Um, <laughs> but the genius thing that I did with this. Yeah, song. you're gonna have to wait yeah. and see people. And after the commercial break, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The. Um, yeah, and then so they're, the, I am sleepy, I'm not strong, I don't know what we'd call it. What's the chorus of this song? I mean, just because I Lost Thursday the, is the name of the song, does that mean that that part is the chorus? I don't even know what to call each part. 
Yeah, it's one of those weird songs where the title of the song is kind of in the verse. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I tend to say, unless it's a song like Can't Buy Me Love, where it obviously starts with a chorus, I would call the I Lost Thursday parts the verses. Yeah. And then the chorus, even though it's not the same song, I would say that, like, uh, today was going to be the year. Like, I would consider that the chorus, so, so to speak. Oh, yeah, even though the lyrics change. When, Even the, though, when, yeah. the, when those I chords mean, come, yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, that's the thing about giant songs is the chorus isn't always the same thing every single time. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, especially for a Linnell song, you know, you could get a different set of lyrics every time through. Right. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things in the arrangement uh, when it gets to that part is the uh I don't know if it's a if it's a wah pedal on a guitar or a synth sound, but that wah 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 what it what do you I, think that is? I think Okay, so that's either um, a clave because they you can get that kind of wah feel from a clave, or it's literally like a wah effect on Linnell's keyboards. Yeah, um, yeah, because it, it doesn't really sound like a strummed chord. No, yeah. it's not. It's got that Stevie Wonder kind of wakata 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 vibe. Yeah, yeah, like all those yeah those those '80s synth tones that he loved. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that a lot. Um, the uh, so yeah, the very COVID-inspired nature of writing this song, uh, at least between the two Johns, and then again, I was talking about this with with Chris Olivier on the uh, part of you wants to believe me episode about we don't really it's they haven't let us inside the studio world all that much, you know. They'll post the occasional photo. But like, what was the process then getting, you know, the Danes and Marty in on this? Were they able to all, you know, the jam out the parts in the same room or were they, were they mailing in their parts to the Johns or were they actually going to a studio? It, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I did talk to, I had Danny on an episode in December of... 2020 um and to talk about one of his red pants band songs because uh, due to request of the management nobody talks about they might be giants <laughs> in detail other than the johns <laughs> so we talk about sure, red pants band sure. songs but he did talk about how oh yeah we just you know we recorded three songs uh, but since he couldn't get in too much detail it's like you know he did say they went into the studio but you know not wanting to get into trouble with the management with hopes of eventually having one of the Johns on here. We didn't get too deep into it. So it's hard to say, like, were they able to, you know, the John sent the stuff back and forth, but then were the Dan's and uh, Marty able to get in one room to jam out the stuff together or did they have to go in one at a time, you know, being spaced out, you know, I, let's say it, yeah, making this album the, must have been tough. Uh, yeah. I get the sense that there were some songs that they did very separate um uh, like if day for winnipeg for example i, I can see that mm. being cooked up like very individually and then you know something like brontosaurus i'm pretty sure they were all there like at least for the for the backing track um yeah but i think that i mean that might be one of the reasons why there's a few songs that maybe wouldn't have made the cut otherwise i'm thinking you're like something like uh, i'm sure somebody's favorite song on the album is super cool and that's great. Uh, <laughs> you it, don't think it's so super it, cool? 
it it feels it feels like something that might not have that it, it was like an on the fence kind of mm. thing but you know working conditions being what they were they had to you know uh make do with with what they were able to like just physically pull off yeah that that's been um, one of those flans growers for me i think yeah i was not very impressed by that one when it first came out <laughs> <laughs> yeah th- there's definitely yeah. a big split on book between the like nearly all of the linnell songs are super pop poppy like he's got i mean maybe if you're talking about like uh like wait actually yeah no is a cool kind of weirder Linnell one, but it's almost like they completely split their efforts. We're like, all right, JL, <laughs> you write a bunch of pop bangers and I'm going to go and write a bunch of the weird ones. And then we'll just, you know, toss them, toss them in a bowl, stir them up. And there's the album. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, at the same time, like Moonbeam Rays is probably one of Flans's poppiest sure. songs, yeah. uh, you know, in a, in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, synopsis for the latecomers is uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty strange. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you can't like, make any definitive statements about. It. Like I said, like they're yeah. just too, too, you know, genre hopping to really be like, oh, this is this kind of album. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's just one of those, you know, by their own admission, the way that they put the albums together is they just cook up a bunch of songs and then try to find the ones that seem like they go together. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely see like the 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 weirder stuff balancing out the popular stuff impulse um, mm-hmm. when they're yeah you know. yeah uh, so the uh, the so Flans does admit to a little bit of COVID influence uh, you know they, they they never like to show all their cards but but Flans did say in the uh, in that press release um, he said it's a song about simple rec- uh, quote simple recognition that you're losing touch with time but it certainly speaks to this moment. So he does let in yeah, a little I, bit that, yeah, you're, you're, you know, when we were all trapped inside, uh, in the worst of the pandemic. Yeah. It's like, what, what day is it today? I haven't been anywhere in a week. And he, he uses one of the great things about being a fan of they might be giants is the, uh, expanding effect that it has on your vocabulary. And uh-huh. this has, <laughs> this is one of my favorite panopticon is the it's the perfect word to sum up the experience of quarantine like that's exactly what it felt i mean i've never been in yeah i I think we need to explain to people because i was just looking it up actually today okay i mean i don't think that's general knowledge (laughs) what a panopticon oh no 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 no. probably probably (laughs) not you know (laughs) uh yeah it's a it's a prison where it's constructed in a way that people can observe the prisoners without the prisoners being able to see, like you can observe people without them knowing they're being observed. Yeah. So it, it, well, it was a, it was originally pitched as it could be for uh, hospitals and schools, but then it, it seemed like it was primarily then uh, implemented for prisons but uh, yeah, this English philosopher um, Jeremy Bentham in, uh, in the eighteenth in the eighteenth century, he was coming up with this idea, and it's basically either a round building or a building that has kind of like um, 
they're ones that kind of look like from overhead and I'm looking at like diagrams on, the, on Wikipedia here that almost look like a flower from overhead, like little uh, quadrants yeah. kind of coming off of a main circle. And then there would be like a guard tower in the middle of the circle uh, that has some sort of blinds or something set up in a way that like a single security guard could, you know, look in any direction and see in every single cell at you know, from that one vantage point could see into every cell in the prison, but the prisoners could not tell if the guard was looking at them. So (laughs) the thought was that, Oh, if there's a chance that I'm being watched, then they're going to behave themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on prisons, but it is kind of, it's just, it's a very, uh, I don't know. It's just very much, I don't know if I'd say it's an outright evil concept, but it's like, it's a good way to put people in line. And it's just like, uh, gives you those kind of a cab vibes. (laughs) It's a, it's a very, um, yeah, it's a very 18th, 19th century concept. (laughs) You know, this and then we'll have the gallows sort of, right out in the center too. Yeah, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, we we've we've gone from thumb screws and putting people on the rack to just psychological torment. Right. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. 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 But that is, you know, that's definitely in in the sense that, uh, you know, with social media and all that stuff, like everybody very very publicly sheltered in place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was this, it was this very weird combination of being incredibly isolated, but at the same time, you know, living that isolation out in an incredibly uh, public way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of how Panopticon in the lyrics works, works even more specifically uh, better than just saying this prison is full is that, you know, I mean, the other of course, our you know some uh, government mandates and people get all up in arms about those. It, it's mainly like, you know, take responsibility for your own behavior. Like someone might be watching you, but just go ahead and you know regulate regulate yourself. <laughs> you know, don't don't right. go outside if you don't have to. Wear a mask. All this, like you know, um, you know someone might be watching so behave yourself <laughs> yeah. for, for the good of everyone here it's just you know we're trusting you to do the right thing and you know. right right maybe <laughs> but then it's i don't know it's weird it's like everybody you know it, it, it started out being you know we're all in this together and there were all these like mm-hmm. very kind of you know kumbaya sort of moments and then <laughs> that that slowly decayed into everybody indulging their most selfish and irresponsible impulses and, uh, i wouldn't say everybody you know, but yeah i kind of split the well some yeah some exactly not everybody but it definitely the the loudest ones i think mm-hmm. um it, it can definitely and i think that's one of the things that appealed to me about this song is that it, it was one of the few things where it's like, you know, my favorite band who lyrically has always been sort of unscrutable and, you know, obtuse has, has made a song about this moment that perfectly 
to me encapsulates the experience of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was just cool to have something, you know, that, that relevant to how I was feeling that I, that I didn't have to kind of read into, you know, like, right. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we all have songs that we think are about like some intensely personal thing for us that, you know, probably don't have anything to do with that. Uh, and this is a, th- this was a nice, like, um, you know, this, this is something that I think everybody can definitely relate mm-hmm. to. And, uh, you know, it, it's just got that the, the, the whole idea of like today was going to be the year, just like the, the way that <laughs> we, we all just basically, you know, stood still for an entire year. Like we lost like any forward momentum. Like I still have tickets to the flood show that was supposed to happen in Philly yep. back in April of 20. Yeah. I, you know, and it, it's been pushed back, I think four times now, and that's fine. They can keep pushing it back as much as they want. Whenever it happens, I'll go. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, today was going to be the year. I kept a closer yeah. watch, stepped up another notch, you know, yeah. stepping up it, th- that tour. I mean, it was just selling out so crazy. They kept having to add dates and add dates and then subtract dates. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so well, they're trying to kick it up a notch, and then uh, the world had other plans. Uh, yep. But yeah, just like any good John's lyric, even though it can be very specifically uh, about be about the pandemic, of course, Flans isn't throwing the words pandemic or COVID or even flu or even talking about sickness. I mean, it's 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 uh, this song can still be related to it could have been related to you know 10 years ago someone who's feeling isolated or you know shut in or uh you know or or you know hopefully well who knows is this thing going to be with us forever we're going to be getting yearly shots or whatever (laughs) i'd be okay with that but you know even when when the worst has passed this song will you know it's not dating itself uh that specifically and could be related to other things just like and any yeah good yeah, yeah. Like, like it, it yeah. yeah totally like it's not it's not like somebody wrote a song about the falkland war and then you know it it, it it it's and this is something again like this is something that i think lyrically they they do better than almost anybody else like they have a way of writing stuff that is familiar and relatable but at the same time open-ended to the point that it can it can mean whatever you want it to mean. And I, I bristle a lot when I hear people say like, Oh, their song don't mean anything. They're just absurd, <laughs> meaningless. Right. You know, they don't, it's like, I, Boo! I, I hate that probably. Yeah. yeah. I hate that probably as much as the Johns hate the word quirky. <laughs> um, like there, there is definitely meaning to it. Um, but it's, it, it's a meaning that you have to sort of, look for and ascribe like i've heard a lot of people in the trans community uh really embrace the song brontosaurus yeah and Mm -hmm. like have have it you know feel that it it really kind of mirrors a you know a a coming out experience i I suppose Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know the exact terminology but sure sure. um and realizing your true self yeah, yeah sure exactly exactly um which, you know, not something I would have thought of, but that's like the, the cool thing about their music in general, lyrically, is that 
you know, whatever you've got going on in your world, you can sort of find that in there, mm-hmm. whether, you know, and it's, it's not something that I think they, they do on purpose necessarily, but it's, it's just the way their, uh, their creative impulse manifests itself that, you know, it, it's always, there's always something kind of relatable. Yeah. Even to the even to the weirdest ones, you know. Yeah, and when the song first came out, I was like, uh, "So why Thursday?" But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, "Thursday is one of the more losable days of the week, <laughs> right?" Okay, so you got you know, mo- oh, totally. for most people, Monday start of the work week. Friday, you know, Friday's a good day, the end of the work week. Saturday and Sunday you got the weekend. Wednesday you even got Hump Day. So I'd say you know Tuesday and Thursday the most losable days of the week, most easily lost. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things like if you were going to forget what day it was, you're not going to forget Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Probably you're probably not going to forget Monday. Wednesday, yeah, you know, exactly like you said. Wednesday, it's right there in the middle. It's it's pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, Thursday. It's not. It's not the weekend yet, but it's also you're kind of towards the end of the week. So, right. It's a, uh, yeah. and you know, it's also. Well, may I also point out that we are recording this on a Thursday? And, we are. We are. Uh, it will be released in two weeks on a Thursday. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there's, you know, not not to cast too much aspersions on poor old Thursday, but. Uh, <laughs> It's, yeah. uh, I think just as a as a concept, it's you know there's something about just the 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 cadence of the I, I lost Thursday. There's something about it that I think you know hasn't been explored because like every other day of the week has kind of been mined for for pop music lyrics. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Everybody's not, working not for that, the weekend, but you're not working for Thursday. Working for the weekend. <laughs> you got manic Monday. You got Monday Monday. Friday on my mind. Friday I'm in love. Uh, Saturday it? night's uh, all right for fighting. <laughs> Saturday, well, sure, of course. Uh, every day is like Sunday. Uh, I think there's a song called Wednesday Week. I think isn't that Elvis Costello song? Uh, um, well, there's Welcome to the Working Week. Yeah, sure if there's a Wednesday. There's yeah. a Wednesday something in there. Blue Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so Thursday is again it, it kind of the 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 lost child of <laughs> of, of rock lyric days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many other good little little details in here that could lend themselves to the the whole pandemic idea. The, the I'm sleepy, I'm not strong. Just everyone became more kind of. Uh, well, not, I mean, not everyone could, but in general, people started working more from home. So you had a more sedentary lifestyle, you know, there's a lot more, uh, just sitting all day. You didn't have to get yourself up and go somewhere. You just pop yourself in front of your computer for a lot of us. And yet that you, you just don't have that, that nice, uh, wake up, you know, getting, getting going kind of feeling and you just kind of stay sleepy all day and you, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not strong. You're just atrophying away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sitting in your desk chair all day. Every yeah. Day. I mean, everybody like the loss of routine, mm-hmm. uh, routine is a sense of having something to get up and go do, yeah. uh, not having that anymore. You, I mean, you have something to get up and do, but nowhere to go. 
uh, like that can be and probably has been really psychologically taxing for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like everybody had to become sort of hermits. And uh, if you're not predisposed to hermitism, like I am, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's something like I feel kind of bad. I loved quarantine. <laughs> Fucking loved it. Oh, yeah. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I got to stay. Like, I loathe leaving the house for any reason whatsoever. And it was, oh, my God. It was like everybody all of a sudden had to live in my world. It was just delicious. Yeah, for homebodies and, um, you know, introverts, you know, you didn't have to keep thinking of excuses to not go out to something. You know, someone invites you to something. You got to come up with an excuse. It's like, no, nobody's going yeah. out. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, it was gorgeous. And the, and even when things started to open up, if somebody if there was something you didn't want to go and do, you gave all like, you know what? I'm really not comfortable. Right. Quite yeah. yet. You know, you didn't have to be like, I just really don't want to see you that bad. So, <laughs> you know, every all of a sudden, everybody had had the perfect get out of jail free card. Like no one and no one could no one was going to look at you funny if you didn't want to go and do something. Yeah. It was uh <laughs> It was the best. I'm so, uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the weird voice Flans does on the uh, "It's supernatural how spaced out we can be"? <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's one in a, in a in a long line of weird voices that the Johns mm -hmm. use. Um, I don't I don't know if that's a reference to something. Or like just some kind of yeah. you know weird thing from their childhood, some like cartoon that it, they both enjoyed. Yeah, it feels like it um, could be now that you mention it, but no one's pinned down anything yet, at least not on the on the wiki or any social medias that I've seen. It, it does sound yeah. almost like he's doing a specific character's voice from yeah, like a show that in space, uh, something in outer space, like literally in space or right. something about supernatural <laughs> or something. Yeah, even though he's he's yeah. using it to talk about just kind of zoning out in your uh, in your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things are starting to get um, weird. I've been in the same room for too long. <laughs> I mean, it's almost it's kind of Rod Serling isk, hmm. but uh, it definitely not. Uh, or or just like kind of a like sixties sci fi. You know, kind of like Spock or Doctor. Uh, what was the guy from Lost in Space? Uh, Will uh, Robinson. Well, he was the kid. Oh, he was the kid. Who was there? The... Was a, there was Doctor Somebody, and I can't remember who it was. But like back in the '60s, when everybody had this sort of clipped tone, and everything was very interesting, <laughs> and you know, like I can definitely see maybe like that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's uh, yeah, really as far as book goes, it's probably the only really weird voice we get. It, it's a bit of a throwback. I wouldn't say they do weird voices as much as they once did. Am I wrong? Yeah, maybe yeah. well, maybe that's what he was thinking about with Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that's what reminded him of, of Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, it's, it's again I mean, why I kind of was drawn to the Cajun Aquarium. Don't yeah, wait exa yes, a moment exactly. too soon. It's a kind of similar right. tone. Yeah, there you go. 
um yeah i've got kind of mixed feelings on that but i do like the 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 old school nature of the weird voice for sure uh, yeah yeah i guess that, that is kind of the one part of the song that i was like huh i could <laughs> i could probably live without this <laughs> yeah and then and then and then the no nah. <laughs> 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 right yeah, flames are getting weird, weird and funky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say you know, as far as things that I'm not crazy about with the song, it's you know, it's not the melody doesn't hook me all that much, and it's, yeah, I think part of it has it, to it, do with that just kind of stagnant nature of the the verses, the the e. I mean, there's a lot of things moving around, but just like it doesn't move in a propulsive way for me, and just kind of maybe drags a little bit uh yeah i can totally say it's it's very it doesn't resolve as a melody yeah. um and in you know it it doesn't have the, you're right there's not like a hook to it um but i don't know there's something maybe that's what i find compelling about it mm-hmm. i don't know yeah sure. um, it definitely uh has that sort of you know if for a song about days melting into each other it, it has a very unresolved kind of feel to it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And i think it's one of the few yeah because i'm pretty sure it fades out doesn't it um well it kind of it it's more of a petering out you know it's a yeah it's kind of <laughs> plops down at the end there right oh uh, yeah 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 i guess it does um but yeah, I guess that's like a giant version of a of a fade out because, for the most part, they they avoid fade yeah. outs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Anna Ng is like really one of their big uh, fade, and that's like a super long ending that eventually fades out. Yeah, Anna Ng, Lucky Ball and Chain. There's there's not very many of them that do the fade out. Yeah, I never really thought about that. The only other thing I, I wanted... Uh, okay, now that I'm looking at that I would want to bring up. When you were in school, were you pro-diorama or anti-diorama? Did you like <laughs> making dioramas? I, <laughs> I can say I I can say this with, without much certainty, but I'm not sure I have ever made a diorama what? in my entire life. <laughs> Maybe they just weren't a thing when I went to school. Um, I don't... Or, or here's... <laughs> I'm sure that it, it's likelier that i was supposed to make a diorama <laughs> and i just didn't um yeah i don't know so, i mean yeah i was going to elementary in the late 80s early 90s and maybe that was more of a 90s fad in the uh, teaching world <laughs> i mean i've seen them a little bit around my the schools i'm at but not a whole lot i don't know yeah was that a kind of a fad going on i don't know i liked it because it was like creating your own little world it was almost like that you know, like my sister had her dollhouse, and I would have dioramas. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of diorama cool. house. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of yeah. a, a you know, an artsy, craftsy kind of kid, and it, sure, that was pretty cool. You know, like you could put your action figures in them, and then kind of <laughs> create a little, you know, world and paint scenery and you know make trees out of you know puff balls and 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 you know. <laughs> Yep. Uh, it's whatever you got. Now, gotta I, feel, now I feel bad. Now I'm now I'm feeling like I missed out on on all the diorama fun. Yeah, they're fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the song says, yeah, uh, now it's post-historic time. My diorama mind. Yeah. Post-historic yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting That's a, uh, That's another thing that I love. Yeah. It's, it's a great like way to flip the whole idea of something being prehistoric. Yeah. Post-historic. Like, that makes it seem like apocalyptic. <laughs> Right. Well, like, you know, history, sequential time, all that stuff has gone away. And now we, yeah. we're living in this post-historic, you know. Time is a flat circle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the only th- other thing that, that came up. Because, yeah, it's kind of locks into that same place that the uh, the Panopticon is full. It's right around that same kind of melodic point, uh, the diorama mind part. Yeah, exactly. Another cool phrase. Yeah. Yeah, half the time you're feeling fine, cool as an amphibian. That's a cool little, mm-hmm. you know, half the time you wonder why we're stuck in this oblivion. That's Amphibian oblivion. That's, yeah. They're always good for a unique rhyme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are we ready for the cover section? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's do Noah's first. Noah Daniel, a frequent contributor to the cover section, and he had covered this um, by my request in time for our original recording date. (laughs) And I got it on, looks like May 22nd, or at least that's when he also posted it to his SoundCloud. I'm like, yeah, you know, put it up. This episode isn't happening right away. Uh, You know, or who knows, you know, with the baby coming. And uh, so Noah's uh, SoundCloud, his channel is Takahiro24 on SoundCloud. You can find it there as well. well. I'll go ahead and I will plop it in right here. I lost Thursday. I had it somewhere. Don't say it's where I left it. I lost Thursday like it was nothing. That fact is uncontested. I'm not sleepy. I'm not strong. But it was like is full of people standing still until this time is past It's supernatural how space that we could be By the Thursday I had it somewhere It's supernatural how space that we could be What did you think of Noah's piano cover? Well, there's there's a little bit more than piano, but uh, what did you think? Dug it. Definitely, yeah, uh, really. Uh, I mean, that's the the hallmark of a great song. It's like his, yeah. Spoiler alert: his version and mine not terribly similar, but uh, yeah, you know, it, you know, when you can boil a song down into kind of just its essence and still have it. You know, you can take away all the cool Marty stuff, and it's still uh, still a good song. 
Yeah, neither of your covers have uh, percussion in them. But um, I like what he what he does with the verses is he doesn't really worry too much about those bass flourishes. He kind of uses the piano to follow and harmonize the vocal line. And again, it does some thirds uh-huh. going up and down on that, which I think is kind of interesting, which makes it, I don't know if it really would feel like it's indicating a whole chord change, but since there's no E hanging under the whole thing, <laughs> it feels like it's got a little more movement than the original even does. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and then he's got some nice little clean uh, electric guitars that come in at certain points. And uh, I like his delivery a lot with the with the vocals as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Noah. Def- def- definitely more thought put into that one than I, I put into mine. <laughs> Quit putting on your cover, man. We're getting to I'm, it. We're I'm getting not, to it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put it down. I'm just saying, you know. Oh, I, I uh, see what you're doing. You're getting the people's expectations low. And then, <laughs> so when they hear it, they're just blown away. Blown! <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, Noah, great job. You, everyone can go hear it uh, as many times as you want. It's uh, SoundCloud. It's Takahiro24 uh, channel. He's got a lot of good stuff up there. He's done a lot of stuff uh, for the show, a lot of stuff that was played on the show before I knew him, and then a lot of stuff that he's done specifically for the show. Um, and now without further ado, (laughs) (laughs) it is time for Patrick Crowling's cover of I Lost Thursday. So let's put that in right here. Yeah. 
was going to be the year I kept a closer watch Stepped up another notch Now this post-historic time My diorama mind Is stuck inside this thought Nights go one into the next I'm reading off this text And thinking very fast This panopticon is full of people standing still until this time has passed. I lost Thursday like it was nothing. Dude, you go bluesy with this one. It gets bluesy. And I like it because I'm more into old-time acoustic blues than I am into funk, uh, if I had to at least generalize a little bit. Uh, sure. But I've also been doing a Black History Month uh, unit with my fifth graders and listening to a lot of old, <laughs> old scratchy blues recordings. Excellent. I, I, yeah, I dig what you're doing with the guitar in this one because you don't really worry about exactly... Because, yeah, I mean, Danny's bass in the original is just all over the place. Like, every little gap is kind of a different thing. Well, you kind of give it more of, like, I mean, you're going mainly, like, pentatonic scales, going a little in between yeah, the E's there. Yeah. Um, You know, I kind of, yeah, I think I got in the vicinity of the actual line. I didn't try to, you know, and and that's... Right, you're inspired by it without worrying about you know, going note for note, because what fun would that be? Right. And anyone that's tried to do, like, a single one guy in a guitar version of a of a pretty complicated song realizes pretty quickly that you have to, you know, you have to pick your battles and mm-hmm. decide decide what exactly it is you're going to you're going to do with it. And, um, you know, it's it, to me, it's it's interesting to have that sort of limitation uh, where you you have to try to figure out what to you makes the song compelling and, you know, and, and just keep that sort of essence about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like the, um, the dynamic contrast between those little bluesy licks. And then when you really start letting the chords ringing out mm-hmm. on the, uh, the I'm sleepy, I'm not strong. It was a really good, uh, you know, uh, yeah, back and forth, you know, a quiet, loud, quiet, loud going on throughout yeah. it, where the, the original is really, it, it's it's pretty loud throughout. I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. just, it's that in-your-face fusion that, that flans the exactly. <laughs> That Lincoln-esque <laughs> in-your-face fusion. That's really, yeah, that's yeah. really what I was, that's really what I was going for. With right, thing. you might say that Lincoln was the, the bitch's brew of uh, right. the Mappy Giants catalog. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, and again, that was a long time ago. You prepped yeah. for that episode <laughs> recording back in June. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good that I had to. It's good that I had to send it to you today because I would not have remembered anything about it. Like I, <laughs> it, it was good to kind of re refresh that uh, in my head. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's up with the, something they changed about Messenger, but you used to be able to plop in an audio file and someone on the other side could download it uh, from there. But now it just lets you play it back. It doesn't let you download it straight out of there. But I mean, it compresses the shit out of everything anyway. So ah, uh, sure. I mean, and even just, you know, an acoustic and voice. I mean, it's, I, I love what you did with the, the reverb and everything on it. It's got a very uh, spaced out kind of sound. It is. I was, I, I was, I was trying to, yeah, I was, I was trying to get a little bit of that old, old school dial a song vibe, you know. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Thanks for doing that. Uh, of course. I love it when, uh, uh, guest covers the song that they're on for i think we are to the portion of the episode where you must score this song oh god i best of luck to you i will give this a 7.6 okay yeah all right let's see yeah, this one, this one's tough for me. I hate it. You know, do, low scores for me. You know, just talking about the Giants, my favorite band. It's hard. You know, you don't want to give anything a low score. But if I'm going to be scoring every single song at some point before I keel over, uh, you know, <laughs> if if the high scores are going to mean anything, there's got to be some lower scores. And going into this, and I'm always swayed by. You know, I don't. I don't think of my score ahead of time. You know, I wait till I have my discussion with the with the guest. Uh, going in, I was like, I don't know. This one might be just like a flat six. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would say we've inched it up a little bit. A lot of it is just it's you know I can pick apart are the little details of the song. Be like, I like this. I like this. I like this. But then when I play the song, and I don't know if part of it is that it's the oldest track on Buck, and I'm kind of like. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm over <laughs> you, it. You, but you like, very it's nearly inadvertently. Stale. It's a little stale. I, I like that you very nearly went, oh, that's the oldest track on the book. See, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, without even realizing it, you get a nice little play on words there. Um, <laughs> I blew it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, though, still, it's. And I mean, I hate ranking. Uh, like the, they might be shit posting group. I don't know if you're in there. These sur- not, survivor I, polls. I, I've never had. Uh, I I don't know what that group is all about, and all all I know is that that definitely feels like something that I don't need to be involved in. <laughs> it's all just about they might be giant jokes and kind of uh, and shit posting. It's kind of like taking something you love and fucking with it a little bit, but. <laughs> There's this guy, John Katz, who runs these survivor polls where, you know, people can vote on, you know, vote for the song you like the least. And really, he ended up doing a reverse one, vote vote for the song you like the most about book. And I, I preferred that one because I, I hate being like, 
which giant song do I despise? <laughs> like going from that angle, I'd rather be like, oh, I like this one and this one, and then kind of go down from there. Um, so the, I, I would hate saying that I Lost Thursday is one of my least favorite songs on the album, because I wouldn't say that, but it's definitely in the bottom half uh, if, if, if you put a gun to my head. But I think <laughs> I am going to go... We did inch up a little bit. I, I, I think I got to still go a 6.3. All right. Yeah. Because yeah, the, book, mean, the book songs I've done so far, so just uh, part of you wants to believe me, I gave a 7. I can't remember the dream. I gave a 7.8. So really, you know, it's not that much lower than part of you wants to believe me. You know? No, and I think that, that speaks to the overall quality of the, of the record. Exactly. Uh, right. I'm, I'm not sure where I would, if I were to rank them, where I would rank book. Uh, but I think it would be in the in the top half, especially at this point. Oh, of their uh, discography? I think so. Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, I like the bottom half, especially of the recent stuff. I like. I I definitely think it was. Mm-hmm. It's it's more uh, it's more solid than uh, than nanobots, for example. Oh, I love Danavots. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a bad record. I'm saying that, um, you know, it, it just seems like as a project, it's, uh, yeah. it holds together. Uh, I can see why people have problems with Nanobots for sure. With that one. Yeah. I don't know. Something about Nanobots just uh, I, sp- I, speaks I just to me. Picked, I mean, I, I could have said Glean. I could have said I like fun. Just, you know, any of the, uh, you know, the post join us sort of albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, now I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit, uh, for sure. The one and, thing I will say yeah. though, and I don't know if you're going to do, are you going to do an episode on the book of a book? Uh, I mean, it's kind of been uh, talked about in, you know, as part of some of these episodes. I don't. I mean, yeah, I guess we didn't even talk about the photograph for the <laughs> the the page uh, or near the page of the of this uh, for this one is like a little trophy. Sitting on a curb. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say I I, I don't uh, I don't really get the whole book. I mean, not that I don't get it. It's just I mean, I'm glad I bought it. I'm glad I supported them. I'm glad to own it. I don't see myself sitting down to flip through the book yeah. all that much. Yeah. Uh, no, and I like hearing these different opinions because yeah, Chris Oliveros, he was he's really into the book and just, you know, had, had a lot of praise for it. And you on the other end, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Um, there are a lot of cool, creepy photographs and kind of, or more spooky or just kind of bizarre. And I'm kind of into that. These, these, these Brian Carlson, um, photographs, but the, you know, the, the Paul, uh, Sarah, uh, kind of lyric art and stuff. It's kind of like, eh, Take it or leave yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's cool. I I think uh, I recently discovered Linnell's Instagram or his photography, and I kind of feel like a book of that yeah. would have been uh, would a lot would have been a lot more interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that would have been something. <laughs> yeah. So the the last section would be the plug section. Do you have anything <laughs> you want to plug for the people? Sure. You are a uh, musician. Can people hear your stuff somewhere? Indeed, they can. Uh, I have a band called Man Full of Trouble. Um, we have uh, a five-song EP that's out right now wherever 
if you haven't left Spotify yet, you can get it there. Uh, you can get it just about anywhere music streams. Uh, if you want to pay for it for whatever reason, you can get it on uh, on our Bandcamp. And then um, there's a the first five. It, it's it's going to be a vinyl thing at the end of the year. We did five songs, and nice. we're going to do the next five, and then all ten with a bonus forty five in it is coming out. Uh, hopefully at the end of the year. Man, that costs you a pretty penny. I've always uh, wanted to. I've never, <laughs> all the releases I've put out, never been on vinyl. Was on cassettes back in the day. But, okay. Uh, and then CDs, never vinyl. Just can't, it's just the, the, the cost per unit when you're only planning to sell like 200 of them. <laughs> it's kind of Yeah, hard. we also, uh, some, uh, I have some pretty good friends who do a short run vinyl label and, um, uh, so we're talking to them about doing the 45 because they, well, they do. Isn't ex- that nice? They do exclusively <laughs> 45s. They're very cool. Um, awesome. What's the label? Uh, they're called RPM records. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the other, I, I like everybody else. I have a podcast. Uh, yes. it's called, it's called redemption song, uh, where we listen nice. back to the worst reviewed albums of all time. To see if they're really as bad as uh, as people have made them out to be. That's great. Uh, what uh, what's the most recent episode on? Uh, well, most recent episode was Indie Cindy by the Pixies. Uh, oh, you know what? I should. I believe I reviewed that on Punk News back in the day, or at <laughs> least I reviewed one of the because they kind of led up to it with EPs. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I review that one? I'm taking a look real quick. I'm happy to say not as bad as people, or at least some people. Like there was I, gave one it, I gave it three and a half stars out of five. Okay. So I thought there it was, was pretty decent, too. Yeah. There was, and there I think was a lot review. of people gave me shit in the comments for it, I believe. Yeah. There was somebody either from the AV Club or, or Pitchfork that, uh, that said the record made them wish the Pixies had never gotten back together. <laughs> and I was like, well. Yeah. yeah it sounds then, like a Pitchfork kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh um, yeah, I, I I was on a similar kind of uh, I guessed it on um an episode of Tuning Fork which um uh Matt Ribeiro who hosts one of the other uh they might be giants podcast called Giants Confirmed. Uh he has a whole bunch of other podcasts about Pokemon and other such stuff I have known nothing about. But <laughs> this one Tuning <laughs> Fork he has uh with his friend um they talk about it's basically based on the Pitchfork hype machine. And they talk about either, you know, our elms that were given these crazy high scores by Pitchfork, are they as good as they said? And elms that got these crazy low scores, are they as bad as they said? And I requested to be on the episode for Travis Morrison from Dismemberment Plan, speaking of a Washington, D.C. guy. That um, is a, that was one of our Travis Stan. That was one of yeah, our... Travis Stan got a zero on Pitchfork. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to go listen to yours. You should go listen to the, the one I was on. We can yeah, compare no, Travis I, Stan notes. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't have... I, I was never super into the dismemberment plan. Um, oh, but I don't, I, was, I, don't know what, I don't know what people's problem with that album was. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. You know, at, and I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of especially with pitchfork um i think you have a lot of people that are they're, they're terrified of giving like the next velvet underground and nico a shitty review mm-hmm. yeah. um because what if it turns out to be this horrible you know this this 
you know, generational de- defining record. It's like, no, nah, right. man, actually, that's just that's just kind of a shitty, you know, like just. I can't. I, I wish I could think of something specific, but I just remember some of the most like unlistenable stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> like topping their year end list or something. It's like okay, well let's let's pump the brakes a little there. Yeah, Pitchfork is one of those things where, well, it doesn't influence my taste much at all these days. Now that it's veered so much in a pop direction, I kind of liked it more when they were talking about the really weird stuff that had guitars in it. That was, you know, that was, you know, <laughs> then I at least like have you know want to go listen to it at least and and give it you know my own thoughts on it but uh anyway i mean we could record a whole nother hour if right. we're gonna get into this rabbit hole but uh <laughs> um yeah so we'll probably just cap it off there we should we should uh, sure. yeah compare travis and notes later uh right. um yeah people can find uh the show this might be a podcast.com uh this might be a pod at twitter is a good way to chat with us but if you want to get in the mailbag segment email me at this might be a pod at gmail or leave me voicemails at 224-801-2930 uh let me know your thoughts on book and what do you think about i lost thursday uh that's i think about oh yeah and remember to go and uh you know rate and review the show and stuff like that i think that will do it patrick i'm so glad we were finally able to make this happen (laughs) it was a good time man man. yeah yeah (laughs) so if you'd like to come on another episode sometime i am all about that absolutely okay cool and for that i think uh, for this one though i think we'll call it a night 